Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk the LA Rams and their future. You're talking about Sean McVay, could retire as a coach. Aaron Donald is flirting with retirement. Quarterback drama until your heart's content. He's a good quarterback. I just think the game changed. Like Matt Ryan is like top 10 all time. And I don't think Matt Ryan's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Are the Bengals in prime position to do it all over again? The Bengals are in a really good spot because they've got a ton of salary cap space. They got a lot of draft picks and they got a young roster. All of that and much, much more on the Super Bowl Runner Up Podcast, the Tom and Hawk Football Show. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Host Super Bowl Edition of the Tom and Hawk Football Show presented by the good folks at Amazon Music. Joe, how are you, man? I mean, this is what, day two of the offseason for you? How are things? Things are well, man. Just traveled back from L.A. after the uh, exciting Super Bowl that went down there and now enjoying, yeah. uh, you know, a little sun and fun here in uh, freezing cold Wisconsin. Just thinking about the greatness of the longest NFL season that we've ever seen before. <laughs> this is the first time for us, for sure, but I think probably in our media careers, or at least for me, that I'm doing a show the Wednesday after Super Bowl mm. still. I'm usually... Out and gone, man. I'm already plotting my trial with the Los Angeles Lakers mm. usually. And here we are oh. still talking ball. So as a player, what do you think those guys are going through right now? The Rams, the Bengals, it's day two. Talk the fans through like what, what their mindset at the moment is. Yeah, well, for the Rams, they're probably getting juiced up for a few weeks of celebration here, right? They've got the victory yeah. parade. And I don't even know if you're going to do that in L.A. because based on my experience, being out in LA, I, there was a lot of people that didn't even know there was a Super Bowl going on, much less the <laughs> fact that their home team was playing in the Super Bowl. So I'm not sure that you're going to have the same victory celebration that you would in a city like, say, Cleveland or Pittsburgh yeah. or Buffalo or one of these cities that literally everybody stops everything that they're doing to focus on the Super Bowl run that your team is making. Um, but there's still going to be plenty of fun to have for sure. I know there's a couple of kids that were being born on the LA Rams with Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham's partner. Um, so there, there's definitely a lot of excitement. They're going to be basking in their glory for a little while, but consequently the Bengals, they're going to be thinking about what Ooh. could have been, what should have been, and what are the things that they can do to be better if they want to get back to that same situation next year and not come up short. That's that's a great point, man, because I'm I'm still hurting that, that the Bengals didn't pull it mm. out. It was so close. It was right there. Literally, even just a couple more seconds of protection and the Bengals probably win that game. But mm. that is the dilemma when you're facing Aaron Donald. All right. So the Rams, we talked about this multiple times in the show. They mortgaged everything to get to that moment and they capitalized. But they're already getting ready to pay a huge tax because they're talking about Sean McVay could retire as a coach. Aaron Donald is flirting with retirement. OBJ has the torn ACL. Whitworth is gone. A lot of players in free agency. What are the chances that the L.A. Rams can defend next year? Well, it's interesting because when you kind of break it all down piece by piece, you look and say, all right, Sean McVay, we had a chance to talk to him after the game was over. He was on the set with me and Chris Rose, and obviously mm -hmm. he was very excited. The first thing he said when he sat down with us is, I need a beer, Joe. And I said, you know what? I kind of feel the same way, and I didn't even win the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> so 
we said, Hey, Sean, there was a lot of talk this week about you might retire or may take some time away and maybe go into the TV world because that's way easier. And you make almost just as much money. Um, and he pretty much shot it down right there. And, and it, it would have been easy for him to say, oh, I'm going to take some time and make a decision, but he shot it down and said, no, I'm committed to these guys. So I think he's coming back. I think it's natural when you go through the grind of a season, especially the longest NFL season ever that by the end, and it's the same thing in the media world, right? Like you work way harder than I do clearly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but even still, I'm a little bit tired at the end of a season because you get used to the grind, which is great because you fall into the flow of a season and kind of helps go through it, but you get close to the end and you're a little worn out, especially when you go through Super Bowl week, there's so many shows that you're doing every single day leading up to the Super Bowl. Um, mm -hmm. and then you're up all night, you know, a couple nights before with parties, and then you're doing coverage all day. And then the Super Bowl is late and you're all excited. It's hard to fall asleep. And you're just kind of worn out and you're ready kind of for a little bit of time off. And it's the same thing with coaches only like times 10, because they don't have any days off pretty much the entire year, especially during the season, they're sleeping three or four hours. And then the stress of the Super Bowl, that entire two weeks leading up, you're not sleeping, even if you had time to sleep. So um, I think it's understandable for him to think about, eh, maybe there's an easier route to still get the same satisfaction out of my job. However, I do believe he's coming back and that's what he's told us. So I have no reason to think otherwise. When you look at a guy like Andrew Whitworth, he's 40 years old. He just he's won done. Walter Payton There's Man no of the way. Year. There's I no think he's probably going to retire. I mean, he's still playing at a super high level. So it's not like performance is going to make him retire. But I think you just get to a point where you're saying, hey, I'm ready to do something else with my life. The legitimate, significant wear and tear that people completely overlook unless you've played this game. Every single year you play it gets worse and worse. Like it's not a linear amount of wear and tear that your body absorbs from year one to like year 16, which Andrew Whitworth is at. It gets greater and greater every year because your injuries are compounding on top of each other. And pretty soon you're really, you're digging in big time to your quality of life. So I think Andrew Whitworth, he's ready to ride out into the sunset, be one of the few great NFL players of all time to win a Super Bowl and to be able to walk away. Now he's 40 uh, years old. There's he's no way, like, it's done. There's. I, I hope there's not anybody wondering if Witt is coming back. He just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> After the majority of his career being in Cincinnati, he beat his former beat. team beat in them. the Super Bowl. He's 40 years, it's over. He won Walter Payton Man of the Year. Incredible yeah. career. I, I was very spoiled as a player because I've only mm -hmm. played with two tackles my entire NFL career, and that was right. Andrew Whitworth. And Joseph Hayden Thomas, and mm. I mean, you Put some honestly, respect on that name. There's a lot of pe lot of positions that I've played with that people will say they suck, or you 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 weren't blessed there. Getting my quarterback protected was never a problem mm. wherever I played, thanks to those two guys. So, two of the best players to ever play the game at the position, two of the best people, and I mean that, Joe. Um, appreciate I, you. I truly was spoiled. All right, let's talk a little Aaron Donald because this one threw me for a loop. Well, Sean McVay threw me for a loop, too, because Sean McVay is only 36 years old. Yeah. And the fact that it's come up means that he really is thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because there are people who are older than him who are still trying to get their start as an NFL head coach or an NFL coach in general. And he's already flirting with hanging him up, which I'm sure yeah. he's, hey, let me go make a little money here. I mm -hmm. could always come back, which is absolutely the case. And his value will only grow if he decides to step away from the head coaching position. He'll get an even better contract than he would right now. But Aaron Donald, 30 years old, and I always say he'll end up being the best football player to ever play. And that's me mm -hmm. assuming mm -hmm. that he's going to play for another seven, eight years. 
that does not no longer feel like the case. This guy is talking about hanging him up. And even if he retired today, he's obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, but is it surprising you that at his age, Joe, that he's already flirting with stepping away from the game? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I think we're seeing this more and more from today's NFL players because we're starting to understand a little bit more about the wear and tear that this game takes on your body and the toll it takes long term, uh, body and mind, really. And so I think players also, you combine that with the fact that they're making a lot more money than they did mm -hmm. 10, 20, 30 years ago. So at this point, Aaron Donald's already set himself up and his kids up for the rest of his life, really, unless he's going to go Jeff Bezos and buy a 400 foot yacht. There's really like no amount of money that's going to do anything differently in his life if he continues to play. Right. If he plays longer. It's only going to diminish the quality of life he has because the more beatings on his joints, the more beatings on his brain. And like you said, he's already accomplished everything you could possibly want to accomplish from a football standpoint. You win a Super Bowl, three-time defensive player of the year. He's made yeah. the Pro Bowl almost every season. I think he actually has made the Pro Bowl every season. Seven-time first-team All-Pro. Yeah, like seven times in a row. So he's already going to go down as one of the greatest defensive players of all time. There's always going to be some controversy unless he played like 15 or 16 years and made all first team all pro every year about who was better like him or LT or Reggie white. And it's just because those guys were the most dominant defensive players in their era for mm -hmm. my money. I think it was Aaron Donald. And if he decides to keep playing for another four or five years, I think he'll make it clear and it'll be one of those conversations a little bit like we have with Brady. Hey, I know those guys were in different eras, but he was clearly better because he was at the top for a longer period of time. And that's really how you put those discussions to rest. But outside of that discussion, there's nothing else for him to play for because he's done everything yeah. you possibly can individually. And now as a team with a Super Bowl, and he's made all the money he ever needs. So really, unless you want more of those things, there's no reason for him to stick around and continue to play unless he doesn't have things off the field that he feels like he's passionate about sinking his time and his energy um, into to be able to get that fulfillment that he gets on the field. And unless he's saying, you know what, I feel great. I'm super healthy. I don't get beat up a lot because I'm so quick and so, so much smaller on the interior. I don't have to take on the double teams. I make most guys miss. So he's not having the hits to the head that a lot of linemen get. Um, so I, I definitely think that could play into it, but you know him better than I do. He seems like a very deep guy on a lot of levels. And I think he probably mm -hmm. has a lot of interests from a family standpoint, but then also just a, a general off the field business, but also personal satisfaction standpoint that he could be really interested in pursuing and kind of reinventing himself if he does make that decision to retire. I think so, man. I think, I think to your point, we're in a day and age where, you know, uh, the league is, is, is more player driven than, than it ever has been. And, you know, in years past, yes, there's the Reggie, Reggie whites, there's, you know, the Warren saps, but I don't know, Aaron Donald is so ubiquitous with dominance in today's game to your point. It's like, well, what else is there to accomplish? I won my ring. Right. And it's not like a quarterback where you're like, I want to win four rings and five rings. I got to win. You're a D lineman. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how good you are. You it's very, um, you know, normal for you to go your entire career and not come close to a ring and be a very, very good lineman, as you well know, Joe. So, you know, when you get those opportunities, those moments, there really isn't any more stats to put up on the board. And guys are calling it up a lot earlier because there's opportunity outside of the field. There's now opportunity to make more money off of the field for some players than there is mm -hmm. to make on it. Right. And that that's a proposition to your point that 
you know, it, the league is going to have to contend with after a while. But this is the way that players are going now. It did surprise me even still with all of that, just because I think there's not very many times we've seen a player with such dominance from day one. Like day one when he came in the league, he was the best. And he sustained it the entire way through. And it's like we've never even seen him hint at not being the best. It's not no one ever says Aaron Donald lost a step. As a matter of fact, he didn't win defensive player of the year this year. But they do that little, uh, I don't know if you've seen that grid that pro football focus does when it counts like double teams, impacts per play, and it's like a four-prong. And if you're like at the bottom left corner, you're pretty good. If you're at like the, the top left in that area, you're like one of the best, and that's what TJ Watt is. And then there's like you're elite if you're in the top right. Aaron Donald is the only name there because he gets double teamed every play, mm -hmm. and he has to beat two guys every play, and he still has the production he has. So – it's absolutely a, uh, a surprising conversation. Another player on the Rams, Matt Stafford. He's being debated heavily right now because now that he has a ring, people are saying, does this make him a Hall of Fame quarterback? And it's split. It's truly like 50-50. A lot of guys are like, yeah, absolutely. Um, Richard Sherman went on his podcast and basically said, nah. Matt Stafford was not the best at his position ever. He probably wasn't <laughs> top five ever. Um, and he has a lot of stats, but mm -hmm. that's what happens when you play in this day and age, the passing offense that we see in the league. So, Joe, where do you stand? Is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? No, lots to unpack right there. And that, first of all, let's remember Richard Sherman has built his brand and his entire life on being a hater. So he does, but he does know quarterbacks better than most people. He does know quarterbacks. However, Eli Manning is going to get into the Hall of Fame. And he was very average in the regular season, played great in, in, this, in the playoffs, Super Bowl MVP, couple rings, beat the mm -hmm. Patriots. Like, you can't tell the story of the NFL without talking about Eli Manning. He's in. So yep. if you're going to let a guy like that in, I think Matthew Stafford is in that same realm. And False. he's going to continue to play. Okay. Uh, Matthew Stafford, in my opinion, was a better regular season quarterback than Eli Manning. He's played better at this point with his opportunities in the Super Bowl and the playoffs just by a little bit than Eli Manning because Eli Manning had great defense when he won his two Super Bowls. Um, what? Matthew Stafford has great defensive line play and good defense overall, but I would still take the New York he has Giants three Hall defense. of Famers on his defense. Go I would ahead, take, I'm sorry. I would take the New York Giants defense when they beat uh, the Patriots and they won their two Super Bowls over. Name me four players on that defense. Uh, Michael Strahan, Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, Matthias Kiwanuka, Justin Tuck, and I forget the other defensive line, but they had four studs um, on their defensive line. So you named three. Yeah, the other guy, the guy that I can't remember his name. Who was who? Give me a, give me one DB. Yeah, those guys were really good. I I am very good with names in general, which is not true. <laughs> and the fact that I hadn't looked at their defensive uh, team in a very long time. However, they were able to shut out uh, Brady in those moments and limit him to what they needed to do to be able to win that game. And the Rams defense, they got just enough. But let's be honest, if Joe Burrow gets an opportunity to throw that football, which I think at the end in that fourth and one, he had some guys he could have thrown to, but he kind of ate the football. And yeah, his left guard got beat really quick by Aaron Donald. There's no doubt. But they had an opportunity to go and win that game on that Rams defense that I think they they should have been able to do. They didn't because they got sacked by the best defensive lineman of all time. That's true. That 
the <laughs> Matt Stafford. Had. So uh, I get your argument. And I, yeah. and I won't say that Matt Stafford was a different caliber player than Eli Manning. I do want to push back against him playing better than Eli mm-hmm. Manning in the playoffs. Eli Manning's Hall mm-hmm. of Fame candidacy hinges on how he played in the playoffs. He turned into a different player. Yeah, there's no he doubt. He made plays no that, doubt. again, you talk about telling the NFL story. We remember the plays that Eli Manning made in the playoffs to put them in a situation to win Super Bowls twice. You cannot tell the NFL story without Eli Manning. You absolutely can tell the NFL story without Matt Stafford at this point. That's because it's too recent. And and that's the problem. Like when we have something that happens immediately and then you're reflecting on, oh, now is he a Hall of Famer in 10 years? It's happened too soon for us to properly contextualize what this means within the history of the NFL. Right after Eli won his first Super Bowl, you wouldn't have said, oh, yeah, Eli now goes to the Hall of Fame because his numbers and the wins and the story of Eli Manning had not been properly put into the context of what's happened on the NFL landscape during that time frame. But then also you need to give it a little bit of air to be able to kind of reflect and say, Oh yeah, that was pretty good. And I will say one thing we remember like what Eli Manning with the helmet catch with um, who was the receiver for the giants made that amazing catch. David Tyree, David Tyree. So that's mm-hmm. like a moment that's sort of burned in everybody's memory. I think the moment that Matthew Stafford had in this super bowl, when he threw the no look past the Cooper cup, for like 22 yards on their final drive where he was looking at uh, Von Bell and he moved Von Mm -hmm. Bell with his eyes and he throws no look. That was player. Which was amazing. I think that play is going to be remembered as we get a little bit of time to kind of let it soak in our mind and marinate and ESPN and NFL Network and all these programs. They spend the whole offseason diagnosing that play and throwing those highlights up there in our memory. We're going to think of that similarly to the David Tyree helmet catch. No way in hell. Okay. I'm sorry. I might have been a little aggressive. Um, It was an incredible play. Mm-hmm. It was an awesome play. But I, I don't think it'll be remembered that way just because it's not something you see in real time. Like people weren't like, oh, my gosh, did you? That's true. It wasn't like a wow play. The announcers didn't go crazy. It's like a, after the fact, like, hey, did you see this? What play will remember from that Super Bowl? is the Aaron Donald play. That'll be the play. Yeah, that's no doubt. Because it was the last play of the game. It was what sealed it. Yeah, and and he should have won the Super Bowl MVP, in my opinion. Now, that's something we can talk about and agree about. I mean, how messed up is the NFL Super Bowl MVP process where they're not even waiting till the end of the f***ing game to vote for the MVP? Like, don't you think whoever plays pretty well in the last couple drives of a close game should have a little bit of say of like who becomes the MVP. Like I realized that uh, I read Peter King's football morning in America column after the game. And he said that as a MVP voter, he had to get his vote in after that Cooper cup touchdown over Eli Apple, when they threw the the fade um, to take the lead by three. And I'm going, yeah, of course, Cooper cup's going to be the MVP because Aaron Donald hasn't had a chance to come on the field and put his stamp on what he can do to the game and which is wreck the game and win the game for the mm-hmm. Rams with two sacks and including seven pressures and the quarterback hit, which basically was a sack to finish the game to not be considered Wild, the Super Bowl bro. MVP in a game where offensively it was kind of back and forth and a little bit disjointed is completely ridiculous highway robbery times 10 and the NFL should really be ashamed in our era of social media and instant electronic communication and delivery to not be able to wait until 
double zeros or triple zeros, however many zeros are on the clock, all zeros, to not be able to wait until that moment to be able to just quickly punch in your MVP vote and then tabulate the results and then give it to whoever is standing on the field in that moment. Like, that's crazy that the NFL doesn't do it that way because Aaron Donald was absolutely robbed of MVP. He was absolutely robbed, man. So we, we agree there. Um, Stafford Hall of Famer. I'm not saying he won't get in. Yeah, I, I need you to give me a thumbs up or thumbs down at this point right yeah. now. Like, if he retires tomorrow. Like, obviously, if he plays seven more years, because he's not that old right. of a guy. It's, he's young. It's perceivable that he could play into his 40s, early 40s. I mean, he's seen no signs of regression at all. But as of right now, is Matthew Stafford going to make the Hall of Fame if he retired today? I would say no. Okay. I would say no. I think they put together. We're all going to talk about the way that the Rams put this team together. And there's a lot of quarterbacks that could have went and won the Super Bowl with Matt Stafford's play. I don't think that he didn't elevate the team because he's a really good quarterback. It's not Hall of Fame status. And, yeah, they won a Super Bowl. But, again, no one's like, man, Matt Stafford is the reason they won the Super Bowl. You know, they went and got a bunch of players who are probably going to be in contention for the Hall of Fame when they get done. And they were special. And I do think you'll be able to tell the NFL story without Matt Stafford. Honestly, and I know it's recency bias, like you said, um, but if Joe Burrow wins that Super Bowl, you couldn't tell the NFL story without Joe Burrow because of the situation. The Bengals being the underdog, they hadn't been there in 31 years. The guy's in his second year. Um, like all those things. And if they won, Joe Burrow would have been the Super Bowl MVP, right? So I just don't think Matt Stafford gets in, you know, and it sucks that he's on a terrible team for a majority of his career. But I think as a quarterback, that's what your expectation is. Like, it's not stats. It's winning the football game. It's having the ball in the last drive. It's all those things that we love about, you know, the Joe Burrows of the world and their situation. They're a good football team. But, I mean, we see him getting battered and killed. You can't tell me the Lions have never had a team close to what the Bengals have this year. Like, in Matt Stafford's career, they have. We've seen it. They were playoff teams. And in those moments, no one was ever like, oh, geez, Matt Stafford is in the playoffs. Look out. You know, and I like Matt Stafford. I think he's good. I think just, just to this point, he is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think Eli Manning is. Let me just rattle off a couple stats for you just to think about Matthew Stafford, because I really think that it takes a while for a player to sort of be in our brain and in our lexicon of the communication that we have with our friends and uh, our family members when we're talking about NFL players. You have to be in that lexicon of like top five quarterbacks for a while before we're able to wrap our minds around and say, yeah, that guy's a Hall of Famer. And because Matthew Stafford played for the Lions and had never won a playoff game until this season, he just hasn't been there. He hasn't been one of those guys that you rattle off when you say, oh, who's the top five quarterback? Oh, Matthew Stafford, right? But since he got into the NFL, he leads the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks of Matthew Stafford, 75 career wins, Hawk. 32 of them featured a fourth quarter comeback from him. So he's been incredibly clutch throughout his career in the fourth quarter when his team needed him, right? Now, that's just one part of it. But then we're just talking about all-time rankings. He's in the top 20 all-time for quarterbacks in pass attempts, completions, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. And he's third in all-time passing yards per game. And he's the fastest NFL player to reach 40,000 passing yards. So he's got a Super Bowl. And he's got stats throughout his career at this point to be able to back up the fact that he's one of the great quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he has the numbers. I just think I think that's more of a uh, 
He's a good quarterback. I just think the game changed. Like Matt Ryan is like top 10 all time. And I don't think Matt Ryan's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, and I, the reason why I do put some credence on what Richard Sherman says is because it has to be a quarterback that scares somebody. And maybe, again, Matt Stafford, by quarterback standards, is young. He could play for another eight years, and you're right. Mm-hmm. He could blow these numbers out. He can go win another Super Bowl, and it would be like, yeah, of course he's a Hall of Famer. He wants, He's won two mm-hmm. Super Bowls. But I think it will take that level. He's going to need to go get an MVP. I think he's only played in one Pro Bowl in his career. And that tells you that, like, fans and players vote for that. And so with all those gaudy mm-hmm. numbers you just named, he's been in one Pro Bowl, right? Like, Mac Jones has been in one Pro Bowl. They're equal. They're like, that's, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, I don't think anyone has viewed him. I, I yeah. think if you give me your top seven quarterbacks right now, you probably don't include Matt Safford. So one of my favorite guys to always talk about from a quarterback standpoint is he, or is he not a hall of famer is Philip rivers. And I think the Matthew Stafford versus Philip rivers conversation would be really interesting mm-hmm. because Philip rivers has many more pro bowls and he's got a lot more of different accolades than Matthew Stafford, but both of them have similar statistics, but with Matthew Stafford, he finally got that super bowl. He got those playoff wins that he never had. And so I think that just puts him into a different tier, a different echelon in quarterback play, because with quarterback being far and away, the most important position on a football field, the most influential as far as wins and losses goes, that Super Bowl victory just holds so much more water and so much more weight when you're talking about what is the greatness of a quarterback's career. Yeah, it definitely holds weight. I just think he needs more. Joe Flacco, top 20 quarterback. Drew Bledsoe, top 20 quarterback all time. Vinny Testaverde, Carson Palmer, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, all top 20 quarterbacks. I don't know what top 20 means, by the way. I mean, that, that sounded great. I don't know. Top 20, like in your mind or like top 20 passing yards, top passing touchdowns, interceptions? No, like top 20 all-time passing yards, NFL history. Passing yards. So yeah, just strictly, NFL history. Strictly passing, passing yards. yards. Yep. The numbers you just gave me about passing yards. No, I said he was top 20 in like every category. Passing. Well, I'm sure they're all top 20 in every category. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think Philip Rivers gets in either. Maybe when he's like an old, old man. Yeah, I think the Super Bowl is going to hold it against him. He never had that memorable moment in the playoffs. He never had that memorable drive, like in a critical moment in the playoffs that just pops into your head. He never won the Super Bowl. He never played in the Super Bowl. And I think that's really going to probably be the deciding factor that keeps him out of the Hall of Fame. Let's move on and talk a little Bengals. They were very, very close. Like mm, They were close. An extra second and a half of quarterback protection close to winning a Super Bowl. Where do you think they go from here? Because I, I feel a lot better about the Bengals going forward than I do the Rams. But the Bengals have to contend with the likes of Josh Allen and the Bills, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So should we expect them to be the new toast of the AFC and get back to this position again next year? I think so. Because where's the big flaw with the Bengals right now. And everybody knows that it's their interior pass protection. Right. And mm-hmm. that's why it was such a, a unfair advantage for the Rams, because what do they do best? Their pass rush. What do the Bengals do worse? Their pass protection. And so that's why the Rams were such heavy favorites. That's why everybody who knew anything about football was picking the Rams, including not me because I picked the Bengals and not you because we picked the Bengals together. Um, And against our better judgment, we just felt like what we saw in the first half was going to be what we were going to see most of the game, which was for the Bengals. 
a lot of quick throws, Joe Burrow getting the ball out. They were spreading people out, trying to get guys in space so that they could make pre-snap reads of which um, matchups that they liked and to be able to get the football there quickly so that the pass rush is not an influence. Um, They were running the football effectively with Joe Mixon. And then it wasn't until the second half where the Rams started kind of figuring out what the game plan was, where uh, the Bengals guards were trying to set aggressively on Aaron, Aaron Donald, not let him get started. And then the center was quickly sliding over there to help wherever he needed to, whether that be inside, outside, or down the middle, whether those guys were getting steamrolled, they were going to get that double team. Well, the Rams, what did they say? Okay. Oh, whoop. We're going to blitz a linebacker and try to occupy the center so that Aaron Donald gets one-on-one. Then they started running some games um, with Von Miller, and that's when it wasn't fair. And at that point in the game, it seemed like the Bengals were going to try to hold the ball and try to push it a little bit more, even though they had the lead. And that's when you see Joe Burrow start to get hit. Um, So with all that being said, the Bengals are in a really good spot because they've got a ton of salary cap space. They got a lot of draft picks, and they got a young roster. And the easiest thing to fix on an offense is the interior pass protection, like being able to find guards and a center who are adequate to be able to work together and to pass protect is the easiest fix on an entire offense. It's hard to find playmaking outside receivers. It's hard to find guys like Cooper cup, like Andrew Hawkins who can win in the slot consistently, right? It's hard to find T Higgins is it's hard to find Jamar chases. Like those guys are very valuable. They're very expensive. If you want to pick them up from free agency and they're hard to draft, it's hard to find Mm -hmm. really quality tackles tight end. It's hard to find those playmaking Gronkowski types who can block, who can uh, like the George Mm -hmm. Kittles who are weapons down the field. Kelsey, they're very expensive. The places that are easy to find quality play that can get you by and get you better is on the interior because you can draft those guys in the middle rounds. You can pay 10, $12 million a year in free agency and be able to pick up guards and centers. And so I think for them where there's maybe not an obvious player out there that says, Oh, we'll get this guy and this guy. There's plenty of options that for them to be able to get much better on the interior. And in addition to that, Joe Burrow, the longer he's in the NFL, the longer he's in this offense, the better he's going to be at understanding when the ball needs to come out and when he can hold on to it a click longer and go to his second and third progression and try to hold on to the football and to push the ball down the field. I love that, man. All right, so tell me this, Joe Burrow. We talked a little bit about Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. I have him as a top five quarterback. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have him as a top five mm-hmm. quarterback, but I want you to give me your top five NFL quarterbacks mm-hmm. for the 2022 season. So this is always my favorite discussion because when bozos like you and I are on TV, with, oh, he's a top five quarterback. Yeah, he's top five. But really, when we mean somebody's a top five quarterback, is that we mean he's a tier one quarterback? Because if you are going to try to pick the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, it's as if like there's a big cutoff between the fifth and the sixth guy, which there really isn't, because you could probably put like eight to 10 quarterbacks in the NFL into that top five category. And so giving you only five is destroying the argument of this guy's a top five or that guy's top five, but I'll do it for the sake of but argument five. and I'm going to give right. five right now. Right. right. <laughs> so assuming uh, Aaron Rodgers plays next year, I'm putting Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. in my top five, right? Uh, I'm going to put Joe Confirm. Burrow in the top five. This does not mean that he's the second best quarterback in the NFL, but I like him in my top five. And I then like it. I'm going to have to look up quarterbacks now because <laughs> let me help you out. Not Mahomes, Josh Allen. Yep. Now we're at four. Hang on. The fifth one is the tricky one. All right. I think we are in agreement there because we both feel Joe Burrow's top five. All right. And I would probably put him at the four position 
right now based on his play from the season. All right, Doc. Top five. Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. And then I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say um, Justin Herbert. I think he is a top five guy. I think he's going to continue to improve. And I feel really good about putting him in my top five because his play, his style where he's more of a pocket passer, but he's still a great athlete who can get out and he can make plays with his feet. I think that allows him an ability to escape the rush, to have that longevity to be able to avoid the big hits that you need to be able to steal those first downs that you need. So teams can't just always play coverage and play mm. a lot of these um, man to man type stuff where their, their cornerbacks are going to turn their back. Cause they don't worry about your quarterback um, getting out of the pocket and escaping. Um, and so I really like Justin Herbert as a top five guy, but I would still say, Hey, if you're talking top five quarterbacks, other quarterbacks that easily deserve to potentially be in there. So we, we share in the four Allen Mahomes, Rogers and Burrow Burrow is probably the fourth one. That's probably a little controversial one, depending on who you talk to. So fifth, you went with Justin Herbert. That's a good one. I don't know how good I feel about having him over Russell Wilson. And most people say, Oh, Russell Wilson isn't there anymore. I actually still believe he's there. Yeah, I think he's a top five guy. I didn't put him in there just because of recency bias that last season was not great. But I think if you put a good team around him, he's going to be the same Russ that we've seen for a long time. Yes. Russ is, Russ is good. And that's why he wants to get out. Yeah. I'm going to go Dak Prescott, number five. Mm-hmm. Final answer. Now, down, down the stretch, he didn't look like the Dak we had seen earlier in the season and in previous seasons. Um but I think he's a top five quarterback. I I, I would feel really, mm-hmm. really good about him. And like you said, there's not a big drop off between him and Justin Herbert or, you know, I think even Lamar Jackson, when he's healthy and his team is all put together, I just feel like Dak Prescott is still on the ascension. And I feel like, you know, he had a really, really good command last year and you were going to games and kind of knew what you were, you were getting from him. So yeah, I like Dak Prescott as my fifth. Where does Matt Stafford rank? Do you have him? So that's your five tier. He's in that next tier of like five to 10, but somewhat indistinguishable from four through 10. Like, I think mm-hmm. you and I might agree if you're taking, who are the best three quarterbacks in the NFL? And it, it would be Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. right? I think generally speaking, most people that watch the NFL would probably put those guys as their three best. And then there's a little bit of a cliff. And then your four through 10 are, Different, certainly in their style, but as far as performance and what they do for your team and how they put defenses in a bind, like your next six or seven are kind of all right there when you consider like Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, um, Matthew Stafford. Maybe you start throwing in some guys like possibly a Derek Carr in there, possibly Kyler Murray, depending on which version of Kyler Murray you're getting. If you're getting the baseball uh, version where he's not going to be on the Cardinals anymore, <laughs> or you're getting the no. first half of the NFL. Kyler version the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, when, <laughs> when he was really enjoying his time for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so I, I think it, it, that next group is right there, but just not good enough overall from a consistency standpoint to be considered like top Top three, top five. Okay. Tell me this, which of these quarterbacks are you taking Matt Stafford over Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, uh, Russell Wilson, um, Deshaun Watson, which ones are you like, give me Stafford over Mm -hmm. those guys, Mm -hmm. these guys. You know, it's interesting because 
there's obviously the recency bias. So initially in my head, I'm going, yeah, I want Matthew Stafford. But then in a vacuum, as I kind of pull Matthew Stafford out and I say, what happens if I would have put Russell Wilson in this Rams roster? I think he wins the Super Bowl because he can do so many more things with his legs extending the plays than Matthew Stafford. And that's not to say Matthew Stafford's not a good athlete, but Russell Wilson is one of the best of all time at extending plays. Mm -hmm. And then I think about what happens if I would put like a Lamar Jackson on the Rams, like, when I think about all the problems that Lamar Jackson has given defenses, even this year before he got injured, he was doing that by himself. He had no <laughs> running backs. His yeah. Receivers were non-existent. I mean, he had a great tight end tight in Mark end, Andrews, yeah. but it wasn't like he had this great roster around him and they were still finding a way to win because he's just that type of guy that can find a way to beat you no matter what you do because of his ability to make plays off script. Um, That's a great argument, Joe. You might've just helped me shape my Stafford ar- argument because you're right. Like those guys do things that Matthew Stafford doesn't. Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, yep. Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow. If you put any of those guys on the Rams, the Rams yeah. are still Super Bowl champions. And that's why, for me, it's hard to say Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer at the mm-hmm. moment. But you also named like mostly Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So like, you, okay, we don't know what Deshaun Watson's career is going to look like. And we didn't even see him play this year. Right. So. I want right. to think that he probably is comparable maybe in in stylistically to Russell Wilson where he makes those great plays out of the pocket. He's just such a weapon with his legs, whether it be running or just creating extra time to be able to throw the football down the field. He's a great passer. So Deshaun Watson, like to me, gives you more than Matthew Stafford just overall. And it's the same thing with Russell Wilson, same thing with Lamar Jackson. Um, and it depends on where their career goes, but Russell Wilson's a Hall of Famer. I don't think you'd disagree with me on that one. No. I want to agree. The trajectory that Lamar Jackson's on, probably a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, if he continues on the way he affects the game. I mean, already has an MVP. Yeah. He's and he does it in a different way, too. That's the thing, right? You can't tell the NFL story. If he continues like Lamar That's Jackson, right. you won't be able to tell it without Lamar Jackson, right? Because he's right. he's doing things we've never seen. So I agree there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really interesting to have those conversations because there's always recency bias, but you have to kind of go back and play that fun game like we just played. Like the the musical chair is like, okay. Pull this guy out, put this guy in. What would it look like? Do the Rams win the Super Bowl with Derek Carr? Now, that is a hard one because we've seen Derek Carr play consistent throughout his career, but then he kind of goes through these big stretches of poor football. And I think when Derek Carr is playing well, which he played really well most of the season, he absolutely could have done what Matthew Stafford did to get that Super Bowl win. Okay. Um, Kirk Cousins. But the kids... Kirk Cousins. Now that one's hard because Kirk Cousins and <laughs> give me the no. Derek give Carr me the yes similar. or no. I know, I know. Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr are like kind of similar, only in my mind. I have Kirk Cousins just one notch below because of performance in clutch moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kirk Cousins is like if he's hot, if it's good, Kirk, yes. If it's bad, Kirk, no. What yeah. are you gonna get? It's kind of a coin Joe. flip. <laughs> So 50-50, that's not how this works. 50-50. Yeah, that is absolutely the odds that the Rams had going in there, 50-50. All right, what about Matt Ryan? Old Matt Ryan, yeah, new Matt Ryan. Just not the mobility you need to have. Not enough arm that you need to have. Like, he just doesn't have what he used to have when they were right on the cusp of the Super Bowl when Kyle Shanahan Drink was their offensive coordinator. Well, here's my problem with Matt Stafford, and I don't have a problem with him. I think he's lovely. But the Bengals aren't in the Super Bowl if they have Matt Stafford. Eh, I argue that one. 
I think Matthew I Stafford is performance-wise really similar so. to Joe Burrow. And I sh- I think when you look at that game, when you break it down, as much as I like Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, they mm. got a little bit tight towards the end of that game. When they had that lead, when the, you needed the most from the Bengals across the board, and that includes their quarterback, they didn't get the best version of those guys. The best versions on the field of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup were on display in the fourth quarter. Of Aaron Donald, it was on display in the fourth quarter. And the reason the Rams won that game, because their best players played the best when their best was needed. And you didn't get that from the Bengals. And it was different than what we'd seen throughout the entire playoffs. Like those moments when they were the biggest, the Bengals players, Joe Burrow, Shooter McPherson, uh, CJ Uzama, Jamar Chase, like all of their big name guys played great in clutch moments until it came time in the second half of the Super Bowl. You know what? I can't argue that. The biggest biggest players played big in the biggest moment of the game. Poetic. I can't believe this season is already over. That thing flew by. Joe, give me your final thoughts. Yeah, my final thoughts are, as I'm basking in the glory of a great Super Bowl in L.A., I'm just thinking about the greatness of that halftime show and how is that going to stack up to mm. the greatest halftime shows that we've witnessed throughout NFL Super Bowl history? How does that stack up to when we saw Prince out there, when we had Michael Jackson out there? And I want to hear your quick thought on where you think when it's all said and done, the Super Bowl halftime show is going to stack up because you were there front row seat for Andrew Hawkins Ooh. and family. Uh, I think for my money, it was the best. Now I'm a hip hop head. I am a fan of everybody who went on that stage. And so, yeah, we had a, a damn good time. Probably one of my more memorable moments around any game of football was that halftime show, being in the stadium, mm. you know, in the suite with Leonardo DiCaprio was in there going crazy at the halftime show. That was I was watching mm. him mm. as it was going on. It's a name drop? Absolutely. But it's f-ing Leo. Of course I'm going to name drop <laughs> Leo DiCaprio. Absolutely. So, yeah, that was that was my favorite halftime show of all time and it's not even close all right well that's our close to the tom and hawk football show for this season yeah Hawk, i think we're going to take a little bit of a break now that the nfl season is over so no shows for the next couple weeks but we'll be back in mid-march to talk free agency rumors predictions signings and whatever other big nfl news is breaking at that time it has been incredible thank you all of you who have continued to listen thank you for everybody from amazon music behind the scenes that help us put this show on every single week uh olivia jen dan gabe Dave, Trevor, Morgan, and a bunch of other people that I forgot. And of course, the humblest of all humble, my man and my partner in crime, Joseph Hayden Thomas. I appreciate you, brother. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Please do us the honors of taking us out one more time. Absolutely. Check out our YouTube video that we just did over the weekend in LA with Chef Alvin Kalen of Amboy Quality Meats. That was really fun. That got a lot of great pub and it is a green piece. So you can always check it out and enjoy me and Hawk eating all sorts of amazing meats when we were in California. But other than that, there's only one thing left to do. And that is Joe Hawk yourself for a couple of weeks.